Now, welcome to another inspiring edition of Sound Insight with Dr. Tom Curran. Good morning. Welcome to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. It is a great joy to be with you on this Faith and Family Friday on the last Friday of Advent. And I'm joined today, not by Carrie, but by my oldest daughter, Mary Grace. Hey, Mary Grace, welcome to the program. Good morning. It is great to be here. I am so excited to be with you. You have no idea what we're going to talk about, do you? That's better that way. So we have lots to cover. We're going to uh, talk a bit about being a young adult in the church today, among other things. Um, and we'll do that in just a minute on Sound Insight. So please stay tuned. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran, and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. I am also letting folks know that as a realtor licensed in the state of Washington and in Idaho, I love serving Catholic families and others who are discerning a move for yourselves. It's much more than buying or selling a home. It's discerning a whole new life. If that's something that you would find uh, a help in, if I could be of service to you, please be in touch. You can find out more at drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to the program. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, thank you for the gift of Advent. Thank you for these days of preparation, of readying ourselves for your coming. Lord, I ask a blessing upon all families who are gathering, especially those who have family members coming home, coming to town to be together. Lord, I pray for the gift of communion of persons. Lord, may the reality of the Blessed Trinity, may the reality of who you are, the ultimate mystery, come to manifestation in a new way as families come together. And Lord, remove blockages, bring healing, restoration, and a deepening, Lord, of faith, hope, and love experienced uh, beautifully and profoundly in family life. We make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. So how's that for a prayer? Just amazing. Just amazing that somehow family life is going to be about the reality of the Blessed Fa the blessed Trinity coming alive. Have you heard that before? Uh -huh. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's the church actually teaches that. Mm -hmm. Family life is supposed to be a place where the Blessed Trinity shows up. So if you want to know what God is like, Come and be among a family of believers who are together, just together, so being together, this reality of what's called a communion of persons will somehow be a portal, a doorway for a manifestation of the very life of God to appear in their midst. Is there something about like the father, the son and the Holy Spirit, like the dad, the mom and the children, or is it more just people being made in the image of God most fully reflect him when they're in communion because the Trinity is in communion? You know, that's a that's a great question. I don't think anyone's ever asked me that before. So, ah, so this is interesting. I guess I would say that um that when I think about the the concept of the communion of persons, that's that union of persons, mm -hmm. there is a dimension that is associated with the father and the son. So the father as the one who generates, the son who receives, who allows himself to be generated, and then affirms and celebrates and confirms that generation by giving himself back to the father 
uh, in an act of of uh, filial obedience. That that's reflected in um, a lot of what it means to be together as a family. That there are times when you take an initiative towards someone else, and they are open to receive it, and then they, in return, extend and and confirm it by their reciprocating. Kind of like what you can do with the volleyball up in a in a living room. <laughs> I walked into the living room and what were you guys doing? Well, we had started, Luciana and I were practicing setting and then we realized we were hitting the wall and you were taking a nap. So we thought we should just try to set it quietly in the living room. Then John Luke and Annalise showed up and we sat in a, well, we used the coffee table as a spike ball net. If you don't know what spike ball is, it's a net that's on the ground and you use a little ball kind of to play four square ish. Uh, but we were using the coffee table in the center of us sitting in a square. And then we thought this is too boring because that's the classic situation uh, for our family playing a game. We decided to come up with our own rules and increase the amount of rules and <laughs> aspects of the game as it goes on. So we came up with passing the game or passing the volleyball in a circle. But if you bounce the ball on the table across to someone, it reverses the order. And if you uh, throw the ball back and forth between two people. They have to throw it across. And if you touch the ball with your left hand, you have to catch it with your right hand and different rules like that. So it's very fun. <laughs> I didn't catch any of those rules. I was trying to ask you guys what you were doing and you guys were pretty focused. It was hard for us to even follow the rules, but it's fun. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm already ready to go back. <laughs> Me, a 24 year old. Well, and, but, what what one of my favorite things to do in life is to watch my kids enjoy each other in in the in a game situation hmm. in a game in a situation that involves that idea of back and forth play hmm. uh, because it's there's a sense of spontaneity of freedom of delighting in each other around hmm. an activity yeah it's a lot of laughter and messing up and laughing and then also strategy and competition and yeah, just being together. Yeah. That's, and that's something that um, it's easy to take for granted, but a lot of families I think can struggle with doing that easily, peacefully or well. Mm. So um, that idea of being able to, I think at, at, one of the like the bases of that is just being able to uh, make room for each other and mm -hmm. receive each other and not just say, okay, I'm in competition with mm -hmm. you, but rather, no, I, the, the concept of competition can happen within a, a broader context of let's, let's find a way to compete. That is really about us just enjoying being together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And not having technology makes it easier. I turned off the Wi-Fi today and plugged it and hid the cord. So I was like, everyone's been on their phones. I got home and I was like, why is everyone on their phones watching TV? Now, you say that it is, how much is technology part of your life? I, I say, I critique it because I don't like that I do it. <laughs> and I've also been on my computer a lot for school. So coming home is like my break from having to be on my computer, typing papers and uh, responding to people, texting people. I deleted social media for Advent, which has been great. Um, so yeah, I just, I think I want to take advantage of the time being home with the siblings and it makes me sad 
to see like Liliana, who's 11, on playing Fortnite. And I know it's fun. And I think technology obviously can be used for good. But in my mind, it's overall more of a waste of time and sucks the life out of people more than it's good for people. So, yeah, I just feel strongly about it. <laughs> uh, well, I agree. I, I agree very much. And I loved that you did that. And I think I loved even more what happened. You know, the kids didn't just grumble and disappear into their rooms or try to find a cord. What ended up happening? Well, we all just hung out in the living room. I didn't tell them that I did it. I think they thought that you did it, which is honestly better. If if they if they thought that I did it, they would have been maybe annoyed at me or been like, just go plug it in. Um, but I, they didn't really ask about it. They're like, Dad, pause our phones, pause the Wi-Fi on our phones. So, yeah, we all got a well, – we cleaned the house. Ariana and I went on a walk, and then we just hung out in the kitchen. Mary Catherine made cookies. We all read books. Some of the kids fell asleep, catching up on sleep. Yeah, great. Nice. You, one of the things that you had said was um, when we were starting, I have a nice, nice, fresh, hot cup of coffee here. Mm -hmm. You were saying, well, what happened to the coffee that was there? And what did I do to it? You threw it away. I threw it away. There are not many uh, enjoyments or pleasures I have in life. And that's, I shouldn't say it like that, but uh, one of the- Like indulgences. One of the indulgences is that I will okay. drink a fresh pot of coffee. Nice. I, if it's been there a certain number of hours or if it's really weak, mm -hmm. then I just- And your definition of really weak is different than mine. Yeah. Because your average coffee is my coffee I have to add water to. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that uh, I, it reminded me, you were saying, no, I would have saved it. Uh-huh. <laughs> like I pour it into a jar. I hate to waste things. Uh huh. Well, I think mom is so frugal and I've definitely inherited that trait from her. Like at my house in Newburgh, I think it's different because since I live away from home and I have to pay for everything, I'm so conscious of saving every last thing. All my roommates know, like if they're about to throw something away, ask me first and I'll eat it. Like one time, Maybe I shouldn't say this, but my roommate threw chicken away in the trash can. And I had just changed the trash bag. So there's nothing else in it. But I took the chicken out of the trash and I ate it. Because I was like, I don't want to waste it. It's meat. Meat is expensive. Um, yeah. And coffee is like fairly expensive to me. So I, every day I pour half my coffee in a glass jar, put it in the fridge, and then I'll use it like the next day. Or at that afternoon. Because my coffee addiction is unfortunately increasing the longer i'm in school <laughs> isn't that fine yeah i one day i'll break it thank you lord <laughs> i never even drank coffee until i was a junior in college wow how crazy is that that's, i wish Literally, i had never even one cup of coffee that's amazing i wish i had never started drinking it because god gave us our bodies able to operate without drugs but now that i drink it i need it or i'll get a headache um, but my dream would be to not need it again one day. Or I have I have decaf coffee that I make. I just like the taste. And I like cream. I honestly drink coffee so I can have cream. Um, I gave up cream for Advent. It's been really hard. Uh, but uh, yeah, one day maybe I'll break it. I have, a, I have a path to breaking a coffee addiction. Oh, what is it? Drinking tea or water, water fasting? fasting. <laughs> it's a water fast. Bro. It can break everything. I've been trying to start a water fast for, I don't think the grace is on it. I think one day there will be a grace to do it. I can fast like most of the day, but not, I get, I don't know. I could do like one day of a water fast. 
maybe. I don't know. Yeah. One day. <laughs> it, it won't get rid of the caffeine doesn't go away in one day. Yeah, I know. I know. I need to go to tea first. I actually do. This is what I do when I'm at Hama Newburg. I drink hot water first, then I drink black tea, then I drink coffee. So I think part of the habit is I wake up and I like to have something hot to drink. There's like a habit of having a hot liquid in my hand as I have my morning prayer. Um, so there's that too. Oh. It's not just the caffeine that I'm, I need. It's like, I like the habit. I have like a ritual of, I wake up, I turn on the heat, I put hot water in the kettle and I make tea and then I go sit and pray. So it's like part of my rhythm. It feels like something's missing if I don't have coffee. Well, for me, it's more, I think it's more pragmatic because I almost without exception, I get up earlier than I want to mm. just because I need to mm-hmm. get up. And so I'm up first mm-hmm. and I would love to go back to sleep, but not an option. Yeah. So I I just think that I need coffee mm-hmm. when I'm up to help me get launched. Yeah, that makes sense. Fun fact, the adenosine receptors in your brain that, oh, caffeine actually doesn't make you more awake. It just blocks off the parts of your brain that make you tired and they don't activate till 90 minutes after you wake up. So coffee, like I've heard this doesn't work till 90 minutes after you wake up. I don't know how true it is. It might be like more psychological. You're like, I have coffee. Now I'm energized. I'm sure it works to some degree, but the longer you wait, the more effective it is. The longer you wait. Oh, you mean- The longer you wait to drink it. Like if you wait till 10 a.m. to drink it, it'll work better and you won't really? have a crash. Yeah. Oh, huh. well, that's interesting. But you could do some research on it. I don't know. Yeah. Like you used a big word in there that I'd never heard before. <laughs> Idenazine, Idenazine, whatever yeah. it is. It's good for you that you you learn stuff like that. Well, I was thinking about was one Lent when I was uh, finding ways to give stuff up. I gave up fresh coffee. I remember I, that in the Federal Way House. Was it was was it there? And you used the like huge glass measuring cup and you well maybe that was for one of those videos. You put like all those tea bags. No, no, that was just a video. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. But you drink tea. No, 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 no. This was different. What I did was I gave up the throwing away of old coffee. Oh, wow. I didn't so, know that that was like a thing that you religiously do. Or like you throw, you always throw away the old yeah, coffee. Yeah, when I get up in the morning, there's typically mm-hmm. some coffee some left over from the day before. Oh, and I, so I would throw it out and that make makes a sense. fresh coffee. That makes sense. If you didn't put it in the fridge or, yeah, you want fresh. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Well, this I know you... Lent, I didn't do that. Oh, wow. I just drank whatever coffee was there. It was terrible. And I, <laughs> and I, didn't, I didn't heat it up. Wow. I just drank whatever the coffee was there. It was... And that was, hey, you talk about graces, right? That was just a grace. Yeah. That you made now it I, like, I. Would you make a fresh pot after you drank it? Yeah. You'd drink it kind of like a penance before so you had your real coffee. Yeah. It's great. If there was coffee left over, I would just drink it as a penance because I'm getting the coffee I need and then I'll make a fresh pot of coffee. And in part, that was for Carrie. It was for mom. Mm-hmm. Mom deserves a nice, hot, fresh cup of coffee. So true. <laughs> so, um, but that was that was just a kind of a grace of a moment. I thought of that when you were saying, don't waste the coffee. And I just thought, oh. And every once in a while when I'm making coffee in the morning and I see the coffee and I'm taking the pot out and I'm like, I'm going to dump this out. I remember back the days and I'd say, remember the days I used to pour this into a cup and drink it? That's not today. The old man. That is not today. Yeah. So there, I think there is something about the grace of a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's the water fasting or whether it's drinking, you know, 
coffee without sugar, without cream, uh, or drinking tea rather than coffee. Well, we're we're getting close to the end of this penitential season, Mary Grace. Has this Advent been different for you? Different in what way? Well, when we grew up, I don't think you really heard much about oh. Advent as a mm. penitential season. That really wasn't a focus of ours. No. And I don't even think last year it was a penitential season for me. Last year, I was very into the incarnation classic. Uh, like I had read a lot of reflections on Jesus coming so low and just all of those little details about coming in the manger and the beauty of the incarnation and the beauty of just all of the Christmas hymns. Like I love the song, Oh Holy Night. I cannot listen to it without crying. Um, and it was like very beautiful to get to like the Christmas Eve mass and hear the beautiful music. Like it was very, it was like a very moving advent to me. It has not been like that, this advent. And I think probably the penitential um, aspect of it has added to that. Um, yeah. And every year is just different. I think I felt at the beginning, I was like, why does this advent feel different? Last year was like so amazing. Um, and it, it's still beautiful. And I love like the masses during Advent and all of, I still like I'm doing the reflections and stuff, but it is different when it feels more like in a different way. Lent feels more severe. So I like, I like the mix of beauty and hope and like nostalgia of Christmas season mixed with penitential season. I think there's something there that's special. Um, yeah. So, uh, do you know the difference between the penance of Advent and the penance of Lent? I think I've I, I heard it, but I don't remember. Yeah. Well, I'll tell it to you in a minute. We're up against a break and then I want to, uh, go in another direction with that conversation. This is Dr. Tom Carnum with my daughter, Mary Grace today. She's back from college, uh, for some Christmas holidays, which I'm really, we're really thrilled about. And so we'll continue our conversation in a minute. Please stay tuned. Hey, welcome back to the program. It's great to be with you. So Mary Grace talking about penance. So there's a penance, this is a penitential season, Advent, different than the penitential season that is Lent. And the difference is that uh, Advent is about Christ coming to us. So penance in Advent is about preparing the way. It's about removing the blockages to the coming of Christ. It's about cleaning up and getting the house in order mm. for the arrival of the guest. Mm -hmm. So it's about God's coming to us and the Lord's coming to us. And there are things in our lives that are obstacles to his coming that hold us back from hearing his knock mm. to welcome him. And then it's wanting to have a place suited and suitable for a coming king. Mm -hmm. So that's the penance of Advent. The penance of Lent is about us severing our connection to the slavery in Egypt that holds us back from going forth with Christ on mission into the world. And so that penance is all about formation and about getting us ready to go forth and uh, proclaim the gospel in the world with Christ. So there you yes. go. That's awesome. Um, so is that interesting? The same act can have multiple meanings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So uh, anyways, so Mary Grace, thinking about um, Advent and your coming home from school, I want to talk a bit about that because you found yourself, do you feel like that the hand of God was on you, that in some ways you got to Newburgh for the sake of George, uh, your being at George Fox? Did you ever think about that? No, never. I feel like George, George Fox still feels like I, maybe it is the Lord, but I feel like I'm at George Fox as a side thing. Like it does not feel like the main part of my life in Newburgh. Like people are like, oh, are you going home for all of Christmas break? And in my mind, I'm going to visit my family, but Newburgh is my home and I just go to classes. Like my community is not at George Fox. Uh, I don't know if that was the answer you were looking for. But no, just, no, I was just wondering. Yeah, George Fox does not feel like... Oh, I moved to Newburgh to live with a girl who I had done missions with after high school. And I was in online college studying... This was COVID. Yes. I was studying criminal justice and social work because I wanted to work with like human trafficking victims, things like that. Then I was so tired of being on my computer. I hated doing online school, did not really feel like I was learning. And then I prayed and I felt really strongly that I should go to school in person. And I live in a college town where there's a Christian, it's a Quaker school. Um, and so, yeah, then I registered and I've been there for almost two years. Two full years. I just finished my second full year. I started in spring of 2022. And I'm now an English major. I switched, which was, I feel so much better. I was not supposed to be in social work. I feel like I'm walking in my life's calling doing English. So yeah, I think that that is part of being at George Fox, like the grace of God upon my life to to write. I think that's part of it, but I don't think I would not would not like recommend George Fox as a school. So, yeah, that's interesting. Why wouldn't you recommend it? Uh, very lukewarm. Uh, there are some people there, some students there who are very alive in their faith. Many of them only go there because they're. Grand, their rich grandparents said, we'll pay for you to go to a Christian school. You have to go to Christian school. So a lot of kids who are just very in the middle. They're kind of in 13th grade. Yes. Yes. Very, very much so. Uh, and of course, I wish I was at a Catholic school. It is always fun to be in Protestant circles, which is what I've been in for the past six years. Um, because that, like by contrast... I have to, one, be able to defend the faith, know what I believe, and then getting to experience like the richness of both of them. Um, but I think being at a Protestant school, I'm like, I really wish I was at a Catholic school. Um, there's just richness there that I feel is missing at George Fox. Uh, there's a lot of like slogans and things that they promise when families come to visit, and it feels cheap to me or it doesn't feel true um but also i'm not in the dorms i'm not like really part of student life that's just like what i observe and what i hear from people who uh, live in newburgh but yeah i have a catholic professor this semester i had one and that was amazing one of my favorite classes so yeah that why great. is that well we just went so deep oh, he's wicked smart he went to notre dame and yale 
and he's like super active in the faith, um, probably for some of the same reasons, like he's at a Protestant church, but uh, or a Protestant school, but he's Catholic. And then there's- Why would he teach there? Do you, do you know why? He is from the Pacific Northwest, him and his wife. I asked him this. Uh, both of their family is there, and it's one of the only jobs he could find. And yeah, he said he would maybe one day leave when his kids are older, but he doesn't really seem to be in a hurry to go teach at a Catholic school. Um, and he really loves, we have a really great honors program, like a great books program. And it's, they they make a joke that in the third year, they read Aquinas and Augustine, and there's like tons of Catholics. and. The joke is that in the third year of honors, everyone converts to Catholicism. And then in the fourth year, everyone converts back to Protestantism. Um, but some people actually do stay converted. And in the class that he taught, there's one kid who actually went to the Oaks, who is now Catholic. There was another girl who, her name's Bernadette. I knew right away she was a cradle Catholic. And there's two Protestants. Gee, Bernadette. I yeah. wonder. Um, and there's two Protestants in the class. And then one kid, really interesting, he was planning on going to Lutheran Seminary next year, but in the course of the class, he is now doing RCIA and converted to Catholic, or he's converting. So I'm at Mass a couple weeks ago. Um, it's crazy. And the class, it's like small, and it's a seminar. We meet once a week for three hours, and we just deep dive Kesterton and Milton and uh, even like Martin Luther, Jeremy Taylor, David Walker, like uh, tons of theologians and we write essays like mimicking their writing style and get in tons of debates and we talk about like what works in their writing style try to imitate it uh, and then also get to talk about the theology and yeah it's just so and everyone's really excited to be there and it's writing it's english mixed with theology so two things that i love i since i'm an english major most of my classes are, we're reading not a ton of Christian books, but just American literature, British literature, or uh, we're learning writing composition theory, or we're doing things that are not not super involved with theology unless you want, if, unless you choose to write about it, which I sometimes do. But uh, it's not going to come up usually in like a fiction class. Well, you said a couple of striking things. The first was that in this third year, a number of these students end up becoming, they end up converting to become Catholic. So if you have any, any insight into what it is that spurs them on that journey and then tips them over the edge, and then even more, they convert back. What is going on there? Like if they got so convicted that they ended up becoming Catholic, why would they hmm. give that up and return back to their? I don't. Um, it's not faith? like these people. The, it's like a joke because they don't actually go through RCIA and then deconvert and leave. Like leave the Catholic faith. It's more like everyone's having a crisis, thinking, "Oh my gosh, we're reading the Church Fathers. We're reading all these old theologians. Oh my gosh, I just discovered that." Protestant Reformation didn't happen yeah. till 1517 or whatever. And oh my gosh, everything's upside down and they're all right. And then it's like they read about Protestant Reformation. Then they read about, I don't know. That I mean, the teachers are Protestant, so I'm sure they can sway class some way. I mean, some of the professors, most of the professors are. Um, but yeah, the kids are very in the honors program, and I'm not in it. I wish I was in it, but. I joined too late. 
Um, the kids in the honors program are very smart. They're the most like academic uh, students at George Fox. So I think they're very swayed by, not by like the messages at the George Fox Chapel, which I think are honestly cheap, um, but the the richness of the theology and the rational arguments. Like how could you not read Aquinas and think, and, and if you're a rational academic person, it's like, oh, this is really attractive to me. This must be, maybe this is the faith. And if they haven't experienced if they've just gone to Christian school their whole life and maybe really never had an encounter with the Lord, uh, and like they might be converted by a more academic route, which I don't know if that's like all good or all bad. The kid who in my class who converted last year, he, he said like he read one, I think like Gregory of Nyssa, uh, like one guy, he read him and he was like, yep, I think that's right. I think I'm going to become Catholic now. It was like not, he did not have to go through like the agony that some, some people describe. And it's like, well, I had to get through understanding Mary and purgatory and the Pope. And then I finally realized, okay, I can agree with Catholicism. It's like, he just, he converted, but he loves it. And he's, I told him he could sit with us at Christmas Eve mass because his family's Christian they go to the Oaks. Um, but he goes to the cathedral. He's from Spokane. Uh, but yeah, it's just funny. People's different conversion paths. I love that. That is so powerful. So then, when you say that they, some of them, end up like surrender, like oh, they gave up that part of the journey. Like they didn't mm -hmm. actually leave their Protestant faith, but they were kind of tipping into Catholicism. Mm -hmm. What is it that tips them back out? Is there any precipitating kind of thing? I honestly haven't deep dive asked them i just that's just kind of the thing you hear it's like everyone leave, everyone joins in in the third year and everyone goes back in the fourth year i, I think it's just the, the theologians that they're reading that would probably be it if that's what got them out it would probably bring them back so or they didn't they didn't do their own research to investigate like okay what are the sacraments and what does it mean for my life right now and how could this actually enrich my faith i feel like it's more an academic thing where they're like uh, they love the idea of all this richness of the faith that they haven't heard before. I, uh, I'm wondering how much of an anomaly you are to your friends. You've lived in Newburgh now for a few years, and you've lived with a number of young women like yourself who have done missionary work and then come to live in a kind of community, oh, um, yeah. loosely structured community life together, been very involved in a very vibrant Christian church, mm -hmm. and yet you go to traditional Latin mass or you're going to mass mm -hmm. and very fervently Catholic. You must be a bit of an anomaly. For sure. I People ask me, they're like, have you seen any guys that, like, that seem interesting? I'm like, I just know that there are no Catholic men at St. Sill, the church, the Protestant church that's in Newburgh that I originally moved to like be part of. I'm still Catholic. At the time I moved wanting to be in community and I was still Catholic at the time, but coming off of Protestant evangelical missions, I was very gung-ho about all of the youth ministry and stuff like that. Um, but now I'm like, there, are, there is no one here that is it's like, there's, I think there's a married couple I know and the wife is Protestant, but the husband is Catholic and he'll come to Saints Hill and he loves the worship and 
uh, like the music and things like that. But actually, I was talking to my pastor at at the church at Saints Hill, and he was saying because this guy, the guy who's Catholic, he we both don't take communion at the Saints Hill service. Like everyone will go up to get their little like cups and stuff, and we'll stay in our seats. Um, and he's like, "Why do you not go up?" I'm like, "Well, it's not." It's not real communion. And he's like, that it just like makes me so sad when like you don't go up. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I think it's not it's not real. <laughs> see, I know where Jesus really is. If, yeah. you, if you want to come and see. Yeah. Well, and, and I love that idea that uh, there is a richness to the Catholic faith that is magnetic. It, and it's a, like a center of gravity for for you and for uh, for others. Well, we're up against a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to continue the conversation today with Mary Grace. Back in a minute. Hey, this is Dr. Tom Curran, the host of Sound Insight, but also a realtor serving wonderful folks like you in the state of Washington and in Idaho. I've had the privilege and pleasure of helping dozens of families in the last two and a half years discern and find a, a strategy, a path, and a plan to help their families find a whole new life in eastern Washington and northern Idaho. If I could be of service to you in that, I would love to. Please reach out, drtomcurran.com, drtomcurran.com. Okay, back to Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran, and I hope and pray that you have a great final weekend before uh, Christmas celebration on, on Monday. And just so you know, you can't get a twofer out of Sunday. Okay, you can't get a twofer. <laughs> what, what am I talking about, Mary Grace? Uh, well, since Christmas Eve is on a Sunday, you might be thinking, I'm just going to go to Mass on Sunday night, and I get the eve of Christmas and Sunday Mass. You can't, you can't do that. It doesn't work that yeah. way. It doesn't work that way because there are two different celebrations. Because God has so much he wants to pour out on you that you get to go Sunday and on Christmas. Who are you? Uh-oh. You're, oh, you're my you're father's <laughs> daughter. I love that. You don't have to go. You get to go. This is so good. Yeah, so Sunday is the fourth Sunday of Advent, and you have a Sunday obligation for that. And then obviously, December 25th is the Feast of the Nativity, the uh, celebration of Christmas, which is also a holy day of obligation. So please, you can go twice on Sunday, which is fine. Go Sunday during the morning or during the day, and then Sunday evening. We haven't figured out what we're going to do yet. I think I want to do Saturday night, Sunday night. Yeah. That feels fitting to me. So that you actually have the two separate days. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. We'll figure it out. We'll see. Well, your default setting is that we're not going to go on Christmas Day. That's sort of a given for you. Yeah, I like going on Christmas Eve. I love the, well, I love the Easter vigil. We have, we have maybe never, I've never gone to mass on Easter Day. Yeah. Well, we, we made that a big commitment. Like you guys, I, I think it was just a few years ago when one of your younger siblings said, what? Holy Thursday is not a holy day of obligation? What? Good, good Friday is not a holy day of obligation? What do you, we always just went, yeah, that's right. It's yeah. a, just a default thing. Mm-hmm. There are things that if you're Catholic, you ought to be doing them. And mm-hmm. so um, one of, it, it, I'm not saying that, um, I'm not saying that going to mass on Christmas Eve is one of them, but for our family custom, we would always go on Christmas Eve 
in part because it was the children's mass. Mm, that's true. I don't I don't love the children's mass, but I do like going to mass at night. Yeah. I feel like for Christmas especially since like the birth of Jesus took place at midnight being at church at night feels fitting. It honestly feels more fitting to go to mass on Easter Sunday during the day. Doesn't that feel more Easter? -y? The Easter vigil is so good. You can oh, you couldn't I, not got to go to the vigil. Yeah. You got to go to the vigil. It's the best. Yeah, that's that's the highlight. That that's our Super Bowl. It's oh everything everything in one. And we want and and yeah. Okay, we're, we're talking about the wrong holiday. Sorry, sorry, right sorry. It's <laughs> fine, but I've got great memories of that. We we went to a um, midnight mass. Uh, do you remember? We had little kids. It was at St. Vincent, and we had um, a family watch them, the family that lived right nearby. And oh. and so the little kids stayed there, and we took you guys to the midnight mass. I don't remember that. But it was at like 10 at night. It wasn't a real oh, midnight okay. mass. Yes. Yeah, it's still... It worked. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, mom and I would do that. We would go to uh, midnight mass before we had kids. Mm -hmm. uh, it was just a lot easier. And we could also have that sense of really entering into the, you know, that I, the, the closeness to the event of Christ's birth. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, so Mary Grace, I, I want to ask you a little bit about the, the challenge of being a young adult and wanting to, uh, striving to live your faith today. So here you are, you're a senior, finishing a degree in English. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned the, the some of the, the challenge that you face being at a Protestant school and, and living with committed Christian women. Uh, and just that idea of how do I live my Catholic faith and discover and live my mission. Mm -hmm. um, talk a little bit about that. Because I, I know a lot of parents are listening and maybe they don't have the opportunity to have this kind of conversation with their kids that are maybe entering into college or in their early years of college about the value and gift of being at a fervent Catholic college. Mm -hmm. Well, I think... It's hard to, if I was a parent, or if I was a kid, and my parents just told me, listen up, you're going to a Catholic school, you better take advantage of it. I don't know how well I would respond to that. Like, I feel like the change has to happen in their heart, or they have to choose, oh, this is something I actually feel conviction about before they decide that they want to like pray the rosary every day and go to adoration and go to mass and make daily prayer a part of their lives. I feel like it would be hard to have that be an obligation. Um, or yeah, I don't know. I think when I first moved to Newburgh, I didn't feel uh, a strong pull to like pray the rosary every day or even honestly go to mass every week. Like, I would go, but I was not, like, I need to, this was, like, my priority. And then, I think I was telling you this yesterday, like, slowly over time, by some grace, I felt more convicted that maybe it was by being in Protestant church and discovering that, and the Protestant church I go to is not your average Protestant church. It's, like, it's incredible. Uh, like, people drive two hours to come to our service on Sunday and, like, 
dozens of people, hundreds almost, have moved to Newburgh just to be part of the church. So, like, the community is so rich. There's so many amazing things about it. Like, we do uh, prophecy and praying for healing, and the worship is great. And our head pastor is an, an amazing teacher. And I did youth group. Like, I'm building this up to show that even with all of those amazing things, by contrast to the Catholic faith, I think I felt like, oh, even even with this being so good, I actually do think if I believe the Catholic Church is the true church, I ought to be going to Mass every Sunday. Um, and then I think that led to like a change in my heart that I wanted to. Uh, and I, one year, I've lived in Newburgh for four years. Uh, one year I lived in a house that was, I've lived in four different houses. Um, I have lots of experience moving. Um, I lived in a house a mile away from the Catholic church in town. And so I walked every day to the adoration because I have 24 hour adoration and that was amazing. Um, and that's where a lot of, a lot of religious sisters say they felt the call to become a nun in adoration. And, you know, I never got that call. So I don't think I'm becoming a nun. But you gave the Lord a chance. You gave yeah, him a year I, every day. Oh, yeah. I was very willing. I'm still willing. I just don't feel like it's the call for me. Um, but, yeah, slowly over time, realizing that, oh, praying the rosary, I actually love praying the rosary every day. Or, like, I love praying Divine Mercy Chaplet. I have, like, a rosary in my bedside table, in my pocket, in my purse, in my car, in my backpack. <laughs> I like to keep them everywhere. Um, and I think also as time went on, I started sharing more with um, my friends about my Catholic faith because I would start to speak up in in terms of like, okay, what's transubstantiation? And okay, what about the saints? And I would bring the I would bring in like traditions like St. Nicholas Day, or I'd invite all my friends to go to the Easter vigil with me and be part of like the really beautiful Catholic celebrations. And that would broad or that would cause them to ask me questions um and over the past year people my whole church definitely knows i'm catholic now which is really funny um so they'll come to me and like ask me questions and even my pastor he asked me a lot of questions about catholicism we do he's introduced a lot of liturgy into the service so we say the apostles creed and during communion we'll do like he took some of the prayers from the uh, like the Dominion prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think we'll do the readings and it, it feels like kind of Anglican. Um, and we'll say, like, this is the word of the Lord. And everyone in the church says, Thanks be to God. And I'm like, where did you all learn how to do this? Um, like one day I, I heard it and I was like, What? I was shocked. Um, so yeah, it's actually been really a gift how everyone has been. And I think you find that some people have okay, this kid who I told he found out I was Catholic and he was like distraught. And he was like, No, like I just thought you had more of a relationship with the Lord than that. And I was like, Oh, okay, you do not have an accurate understanding of what Catholicism is. Um, so like there are conversations like that. Like I was talking to one of my friends in my class last week and she's Anglican. And we were talking about homosexuality, and I was writing a paper for class about why homosexuality is intrinsically disordered. And she was like, we got in like a big argument about it and we were going back and forth. And she goes, I guess Catholics just don't like pleasure. And I was like, actually, we love pleasure the most. 
Um, so like it's been all of these like kind of realizing uh, just small ways that Protestants have they don't understand Catholicism in its fullness. Um, so yeah, sometimes I think has it been wrong for me even to like be in a Protestant community for so long, even despite the richness and how it's like benefited me uh, in so many ways besides my spiritual life. Um, sometimes I'm like, was this the right choice? Would it have been, would it have been better for me to go to a Catholic school right out of high school? Um, but I really think it's been a gift to experience like fullness of life in the Protestant church and see all of the gifts that they have. And then also get to learn how to defend the faith and see and understand and listen to why do you think that about this also like where does that idea come from and like discovering that people haven't really thought things through or even the ones that have really thought things through um like they're still wrestling with it um yeah and even realizing there's so much i don't know uh like there's so much that you just take for granted and it's like oh of course purgatory is real obviously and and they're like where like where's that in the bible like explain that to me and it's like oh i actually have to i don't know why <laughs> i just like research it's like answers.com and calling my dad are my two my two go-tos i'll just tell my friends i'll just call my dad and get back to you so yeah <laughs> that's awesome yeah i uh i've got a quote for you from saint john paul ii that i think you might like about the appreciation for the blessings that you received by being part of that uh, Protestant community and yet at the same time still remaining fully Catholic. Uh, but we'll do that in a minute because we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. Again, I'm with my daughter, Mary Grace, and I hope you're being blessed by this program. Mary Grace is a senior at George Fox, finishing up her degree in English and uh, is discerning for next year. What is happening? Let me give you the quote from St. John Paul II and see if you're saying, I like that. You have to say it now. You have to say you like it. I love most John Paul II quotes, so I'm sure. Okay, so this it. is about uh, his way of talking about the separated brethren, non-Catholic Christians, he says that we must admit that at times they have done more with less. Mm, yeah, I think you've told me that before. Great quote. Yeah. It's just it's stunning how simple it is that mm. at times, not always, they've done more. So it's not as if, oh, if you've got the Catholic thing, then you've obviously done mm -hmm. better in mm -hmm. every possible manner. Yeah. They've done more with less. Objectively speaking, mm -hmm. they just have less. But that doesn't mean that we don't have something to learn from them. Mm -hmm. And so I, so what, what is your comment on that? And then I'll talk about that a little bit. Oh, I don't know if I have a comment on it. I think it's great. That makes sense. Well, yeah. and so I want to link this to what you said about your reflection on, gee, was it a good thing that I was at that school and attending or going, in addition to going to Mass on Sundays, mm -hmm. also participating in that community? I think about this in terms of, um, like, for instance, our kids, they went to the Oaks for several years. And... Um, and now they're at Franciscan University. Yeah. Just the compare and contrast. 
um, in that you and Ariana went on the world race, mm-hmm. which is, it's not anti-Catholic. It's open to all denominations, mm-hmm. but there are not many Catholics that go on it. Yeah. Um, that what mom and I have seen are you all complementing the things that we attempted to teach you and foster in you and things that you'd be exposed to in Catholic settings with things that are just honestly more grounded and more, I don't want to say necessarily, they've done more with less around things like introducing scripture in a natural way into Mm. the spiritual life Mm -hmm. and the focus on scriptural application to daily living. Uh, the concept of a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I know some people are like, wait, whoa, 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 Catholics do all those things too. Yeah, but you don't get it till you get it. You don't mm-hmm. really get it till you see how it's done a little bit differently and it's lived by fervent Christians. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with those things? For sure. Yeah. If you, When you see a Protestant that has fear of the Lord and they're in the scriptures every single day and they're worshiping in spirit and truth, it's like, oh, that there are so many Catholics that do not have that. Um, and like, just because, yeah, just because they're Catholic doesn't mean they're living out the fullness of the faith. And yeah, like, sure, they're receiving the sacraments, which is great, but but it's not magic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, sometimes people in a in an argument or a they'll say their understanding of Catholics is, well, don't you guys just like, it's very workspace and you just kind of check things off the list. I'm like, that that can be the case for a Christian too. Um, but just because we have the sacraments and mass and liturgy, it tends toward being more orderly, which can tend towards checking off the list. Uh doesn't mean that all Catholics don't live that way or should. So you know what's ironic, just to talk about that? Mm-hmm. So we've been part of the Oaks for now several years. They are way more workspace oh yeah way more the yeah. reformed yeah. community yeah. is so focused on uh, external conformity and behavior mm-hmm. word and the concept of being aligned with the gospel is aligning yourself in a visible manifestation with this word or this deed or this attitude yeah. I, I mean Catholics could benefit from a little bit more uh, <laughs> discipline yeah. and uh, a little bit more rigor when it comes to that. I think the closer approximation of that might be found in traditional Latin mass communities, mm-hmm. a little bit more emphasis on uh, external conformity with belief and action. Yeah, I agree. But um, uh, I would say that there's on the flip side, uh, when we have on, when I have on um, your four siblings at Franciscan University, mm-hmm. uh, three of them had been at the Oaks for at least two years each, if not three years. And they talk about the, like how you can just flow more fully in your Catholic life if you're not having to watch for or wonder about is this Catholic belief coming uh, under attack Hmm. or being questioned? And so while it's incredibly valuable, I think, 
to learn apologetics in a setting where you're mm-hmm. actually talking with people who are fervent about their own Christian belief mm-hmm. and they are questioning a Catholic belief versus learning apologetics by Catholics talking to each other mm-hmm. because you just don't get the same feel for yeah. the 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 contrary position mm-hmm. as compared to um, as compared to being Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that can be tiring. Oh, yeah. Yes. I wish, this is what I tell my friends. I'm like, I just wish I didn't have to go to mass by myself and pray the rosary by myself, even though my friends are like willing to go with me. It is, I, I wish it wasn't a side thing because it should be the center thing. And even when I visited the kids at Franciscan, I was like, this is so amazing. Like everyone's in line at confession. And I'm always like, okay, bye roommates. I'm going to confession now. And like they'll even be like, okay, I think you have to go to confession. Like they'll they'll make jokes. because uh, I'm always I'm always going to confession and <laughs> telling them. Um, but and but I go by myself. Um but it was so cool to go visit them in October and be in line for confession for an hour with over a hundred people with 14 priests, and it's just part of the culture because Catholic. I'm like, this is what I desire. And I tell my friends that, and they're like, that totally makes sense. Um, so, yeah. So, we only have a couple minutes left, Mary Grace, believe it or not. Uh, what's your sense about you know, finishing this year? Uh, the idea of actively discerning what's next in your life. Anything you want to say about even just how you're going about that? Well, I felt the Lord say, don't don't pray about post-grad plans until Christmas. I kind of broke that because a professor told me I should get my master's. That led to me having lots of conversations, thinking I should get my master's in theology at Franciscan. Who knows what will happen? Right now, I feel like I don't know at all. So if you're listening, you can pray for me that I would have clarity or just the courage to make a decision. So that's where I'm at. I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> and and I knew that when I asked you that, but I think I said that for the sake of so many other parents to realize that you have young adult uh, daughters and sons who are trying to figure life out mm-hmm. and the world is different today. Mm-hmm. And so the number of places where uh, young adults like you in their almost mid twenties mm-hmm. are trying to figure out what's the next place in life for me where I can flourish as a Catholic, grow as a Catholic, and take that next step in life as a Catholic, that's harder to do because mm-hmm. the, the number of places are just smaller. Yeah. So um, I, I thanks for just sharing that. So parents, you, uh, it, it just goes back to the importance of being intentional about not only how you're raising your kids in the faith, but what it is they need to be able to sustain and flourish as Catholics in their life of faith. So, Mary Grace, thanks for being with me today on the program. I really appreciate it. You're going to be around a few more days. Maybe I can have you on again. I know I'm turning in all those coupons that you guys gave to me. About time. So, All right. God bless you, everybody. Uh, Join me on Monday with Father Nagel and Father Lewis for a Christmas Day edition of Sound Insight. God bless your day.